0: Hey, what's going on? All our amazing third roommates. It's Peter. I just got to Frankfurt actually, and I just wanted to check in with you guys real quick. Uh, I know I uh, have been a little MIA here in the last couple of weeks, but I'm looking forward to coming back and uh, getting on the uh, podcast episodes regularly. Obviously, the last month has been pretty busy for me getting checked out in my new airplane. I'm excited to tell you guys all about it. Got some great stories. It's the start of a new adventure and I'm stoked to bring you guys along on it with me. So I hope you've all been well. I miss you. Uh, I miss checking in every week and uh, I look forward to doing that again very soon. All right. Much love guys.
1: Welcome back. Welcome back. Another episode of Bachelors in the City. I am your host,
0: co-host, Dustin. And I am your second, uh, sometimes uh, forgotten co-host here to my counterpart, Peter. And uh, it's gonna be Is that Russian? I don't actually know what I was trying to do with that. I, I was trying to be funny. I don't think it really came off funny. You're
1: just trying to freeball it, right?
0: Yeah. I don't know. Sorry um, about that, guys. Sorry about that, guys. But welcome back to another episode. Today we have... The data. The...
1: Wait, wait. First of all, if you are into data, if you are into Excel, if you work a corporate accounting life, you're going to love this.
0: Guys, and if you love a little dating show we like to call The Bachelor, you're going to love this even more. You're going to love it more. Because we have Susanna joining us today on the podcast from Bachelor Data. And she's going to blow your mind because she blew my mind and she blew Dustin's mind. And she just is amazing. And you're about to see why. Bachelor Data, data, however you want to say it, analyzes all sorts of statistics about the franchise from screen time to follower accounts, from outfit tracking, which is insane, to relationship timelines. It is the place to go for that hard info about the franchise and the contestants. And we have the amazing woman who started that and created it with us on the pod today.
1: Super exciting. We actually touched on a little bit about race in the show as well, which was really cool to find out. Guys, this is gonna
0: be this is gonna be one. She's gonna give us a little peek behind the curtain. So without further ado, we'll stop talking. We'll get to the good part. Here's Susanna guys. All right, guys, well, we are super, super stoked to have the one, the only Susanna from Bachelor Data with us on the pod today. Susanna, welcome.
2: Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here.
1: I'm super excited to have you here. I'm all about the older I get, the more into data I get. It just excites me. And I'm excited to learn about, well, for people that don't know, tell us a little bit about Bachelor Data.
2: Yeah. So Bachelor Data was a project that started just before the world shut down on Instagram, where I analyze any type of data that you can think about with The Bachelor. So screen time, Instagram growth, all the way to what are your odds of making it far in the show if you get a fireworks date?
0: <laughs> Wait, that's funny. Fireworks date. Those are some of the best dates too. They are. So what, what are... I mean... We're, we'll get obviously, I mean, this is a little tangent, but just getting into that, I'm just curious, what are like the odds of a firework date? It's like what are the percentages of You're
2: gonna make it far on the Bachelorette every season that there's a fireworks date, you make it far. Okay. What's really cool about it all is that data in itself is normally not thought of as a fun thing. But on my page, I make it fun. It's literally a color explosion of a feed. It's just pinks, purples, blues everywhere. but it's actually fun to look at. So, it's a, it's a cool way to bring data to a show that you wouldn't think about data.
1: I love data. Facts do, hey, numbers do not lie. So it excites me to, to find out what you have found out about the show.
0: It's funny because so we've had on, on this podcast, we've had Game of Roses. I take it you're familiar with Game of Roses. They were
2: my first podcast I was ever invited on.
0: No way. Okay. So you are a fan, as are we. We're deep in the pit. We are very deep in the pit. And it's kind of cool. I think you guys have a similar, there's a connection there with you guys, how you guys analyze the show. And it's funny being, a, at least for me, and then maybe you can agree or not, Dusty, I, I didn't realize that this show could be analyzed so uniquely, well, not I guess not uniquely, kind of, I think, you know, Game of Roses does a whole sports uh, comparison. And then I guess you kind of do a little bit of sports comparison with analytics and statistics. That's huge in sports. It's it just mind boggling to me that that you guys found a way to do this with the show.
2: Yeah. It's, I, I'm always a big fan of really niche accounts because I th- I feel like, you know, and I have a big appreciation for meme accounts, but when I find something unique, yeah. like there's this account that does bachelor related cocktails, like Really cool, unique stuff like that. I feel like it brings a different layer to this show that we all love and the way that we look at it. So Game of Roses, they do some really cool stuff. We've collaborated on some posts and just their hyper binge that they did. It's my dream someday if I ever get to leave my job to be able to sit down and actually go back and watch older seasons like they did. But
0: I think they did it like at twice the speed, two times the speed, right? And they just went through every season.
2: Yeah, exactly. It, it's an, I feel like it's a marathon. Like it takes the same amount of physical strength to do it, but being able to collect that data and then really look at it from a sports perspective. I mean, sports analytics, it's booming. It's a multi-billion dollar industry in the United States. Just look at football, like pro football focus. They have hundreds of people who analyze every single play of a football game. And then they report on it and they sell that data back to the different teams, and then they'll also sell it to companies like ESPN so that they have data to report on live within the show, it's cool to have that similar approach with reality TV.
1: You, I could see you being a huge asset for agents and influencer man, uh, managers, because they would probably they probably don't necessarily want to watch all the shows, but they want to see who's going to be the next big person to come off the show. And they could hire someone like you that has
0: all the data. No, that's a good point. I feel like, yeah, you, yeah.
2: Yeah, I think I, I just collect publicly available data. You know, I think the big thing about this account is that there's no insider data or anything like that. It's stuff that we all see on the show. It just, the amount of time that it takes to collect all this data, I'll tell you, is something that nobody wants to do.
0: I can imagine that's. That is probably an insane task. So, what the first time? What made you first for the first time want to start doing this? Was it just a random thought one day you're watching the show and you're like, hey, I want to start logging this information down?
2: So, I was promoted f- to become a technology director for a K twelve school district back in 2018, and I was one of those people who, on their job application, put that they were proficient at Excel when they had no idea what they were doing, and. <laughs> I really I I knew what a worksheet was. I could go in there and I could do like the sum formula and I could drag some cells and I was like, yeah, I know how to use Excel. And I started the job sure. and I really didn't know what I was doing and I was very much put in a position where people were expecting me to be the expert because I was overseeing the entire technology department for a school district. So, I tried to go online and go to YouTube to start learning stuff and it was so boring. It was just it, it's all men and they all speak in monotone like it, and i've i've learned that actually takes effort to take all inflection out of your voice and they would use topics that were so boring it was like the video would start and it was talking about return on investment and i was like what i don't understand what this data is talking about so what i decided to do was actually start collecting data on the bachelor because at the time i'd seen a lot of people you know on different forums talking about instagram followers that i was like well, you know, Colton's season's about to start. Why don't I take every single person's follower count every night? And then I can see what leads on the what happens on the show that leads to the most Instagram growth so that I can better understand, you know, people are going on this show and then they're making millions of dollars. Like what leads to that?
1: Fascinating. That, that is fascinating. That oh, I could I could pick your brain all day with this. Before we start doing that, I also had a question. Did you have any idea? I saw. You have 125,000 followers and you just started this this year?
2: 105. I think I'm at 105 right now, but I started it.
1: 105? That's still crazy. Peter's
2: season. It was like the last four weeks of his season. I decided to start an Instagram account because I was really wanting to push myself with data visualization. And I was like, well, Instagram would be a great way to go. And then the pandemic hit and working in education, I lost my life for like eight months. So my first nine posts were at the end of your season. And then I came back for a clear season once I got some semblance of a so, life.
0: So what were you before, I guess before you were doing this on Instagram, you were just collecting this just for your own personal knowledge? Like you weren't really sharing it? I was sharing it on, on Reddit. Platform. So
2: I my first post oh, okay. over there, I literally took a screenshot of a worksheet and I was like, guys, look at this cool data. And it got like no interaction because you can't just look at a spreadsheet and be like, hey, this is cool because you you right. need to visualize it in some way. So that's kind of been my journey is pushing myself to learn this as somebody who did not major in data science. I was an elementary education major. Like there was no background there. And it, it's been a really cool way is just like putting your stuff out there and then getting feedback from people to grow.
0: I, you know what? I would not be surprised if you were poached by the show. Someone from the show reached out and wanted to bring you on in some way, some, some form to do just this, you know, be kind of like that analytics person for a sports look at, team. Look at that
1: smile. They probably already did it. No. <laughs> <laughs> she, probably, she probably already
2: didn't do scared. I'm scared of them. No. <laughs> well, but that would also bias my data, right? So as soon as True. I would become a part of the franchise, that's when, like, even as far as like talking to contestants, I try to not do too much because then you add any form of bias of being particular to certain people or whether or not you report on them, I think it's, it's important to stay as non-biased sure.
0: as possible. Let me ask you this. So you have, you obviously you're very with all the trends and, and what's growing, what's hitting, what's not. Just off the top of your head, what, who is someone that from a recent season that maybe hasn't performed well from your data that you otherwise would have thought would have?
2: Uh, basically all the pandemic seasons have been performing pretty badly.
0: Has it? That's okay. It
2: has. And I think it's, it's definitely a lot of factors. And, you know, I think there's a lot of conversation about, you know, what would lead to this, especially around, you know, like the departure of Chris Harrison is a popular topic, but we saw right off the bat with Claire Crawley season that there was a big shift in the amount of people that were actually following contestants from this show. So like, your season was the last one that we really saw people hitting millions of followers like it was nothing. And now we're seeing that the majority of contestants on these seasons are just hardly passing what people had if they were eliminated the first week of the show. So I think I honestly I think the biggest factor is the rise of TikTok. A lot of people are spending less time on Instagram now and they're moving over to TikTok. I'm one of them. Like I opened that app and I'm sucked in for 45 minutes and I think it's like been 5 minutes.
0: Dustin's the same way. I love yeah. It. I love it. I um I don't I kind of stay away from TikTok, but have you seen any have have Bachelor Nation you know, contestants leads have they been have the numbers transferring over there with TikTok numbers as well, like they were with Instagram originally.
2: We're seeing them a lot with contestants who already had a following on Instagram. For people that are now in these pandemic seasons, they're—I mean—they have a following, but it's nothing like the people who were on the show before. Yeah, it's one of those things, though. I mean, no, I get that. Here we are talking about hundreds of thousands of followers, and realistically, you only need like a hundred thousand followers to be able to leave your job if you can pivot. Your your audience into something that you can actually, you know, monetize in some way. Be it ads, or if you're going to actually create something that you're going to sell, you really don't need yeah. a million followers to be able to quit your job.
1: That's true. I agree on that one. What <laughs> have you been able to um, track? <laughs> <laughs> oh um, have you been able to track like after the show, like how they monetize? I know you don't know how much they are making, but the oh, amount that's of brand deals question. they do and stuff like that. Yeah,
2: yeah. I mean, I they, I do get numbers. There are a lot of people are really open to sharing how much money they make on the show, uh, or not on the show after tell they some, leave the tell, show. Tell us some. Oh well, tell I mean, obviously, I never share who who has shared the numbers, but I think a lot of people think that oh, when you hit like a million followers, like maybe you can make a couple thousand dollars on an ad, and it's like. No, you make most people's like yearly salaries in just a few stories or an Instagram post. It's it's really life changing money. Like how much these people make. I mean,
0: and and I think that's you know we've had some talks. How listen, obviously, as someone going on the show, you see that. How could you not be? How could you not be interested in that and intrigued by that and have that be possibly a motive? It's just you're it's you're a human. You're gonna think that is the case. And I I think though. That it's hurt the show. I think having that be such a distraction, it's taken I mean, just look at the 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 proof and the pudding. How how many relationships have lasted in recent memory from the show? Very, very few. I actually I have this theory. I think that with numbers going down and trending down, it's actually gonna help the show. And who knows if it'll be enough to kind of just you know maybe not encourage people to go on for that reason anymore. Cause listen, even if you get a hundred thousand, that's still great. Fifty thousand is great. I had five hundred followers before a thousand or, you know, ten thousand is great. I'll be curious to see, but I, I think it'll probably help the show with numbers trending down to be completely honest.
2: Yeah, I think I think the big problem, you know, I think it, it was Ashley I was really the first person from this franchise that we saw monetizing after they left the show. I think there's been a big shift now where it's like people come off this show and they're having... And I mean, I even see it in my DMs. The number of offers that you get for advertisements, it's a stupid amount of money that... I mean, you'd be an idiot to say no to it. But then it's hurting people wanting to follow you because people are annoyed of ads. like They don't want to have advertisements just thrown at them all day. So I think... Yeah, I, I'm going to be really interested to see what's going to happen, especially as we're kind of moving out of the pandemic. And now with Clayton's upcoming season, we're going to have travel. We're going to have, you know, we're going back to the mansion. Like, I'm curious to see if that was a variable, like by how much. So
0: I think that's going to be. I think travel was a huge thing. Obviously, that's with the pandemic. I think a little familiar familiarity with the with the mansion and just how like the show has been, I think will bring back numbers. I think it was hard to, You know, you don't recognize this whatever resort in Palm Springs or, you know, middle of New Mexico. So if I had a bet, I would think numbers would do a little bit of a rise, but hey, you're the perfect person to uh, validate that if that's the case or not. I was going to
2: say, by the way, you had 600 followers when you were announced to be on the show.
0: You know, (laughs) no way. Wait, what other information do you have? Like, I tell us both. (laughs) Either like a message? So you had
2: you had 600 followers when you were first announced as a cast member on March 15th. Oh my! So that was the day. I don't know if I
0: should be creeped out or like.
2: (laughs) (laughs) That was the day that you know when they post everybody's like pictures on Facebook. That was that day, and then the night before the season started, you were still on private. So you, at that point, had dipped down 15 followers.
0: I lost 15.
2: You lost 15, but you quickly made it up. The premiere, you hit 16,000 followers the night that the premiere aired. So it wasn't even at 8 p.m. So it wasn't wow. even after the premiere.
0: Dang, that's, you are so detailed with that. That is incredible.
1: That's a light, light me. Let's, my following was terrible from the. Can you do mine? Yes.
0: <laughs> if you have it.
1: Yeah,
2: so you oh, started out <laughs> with about 1,100 followers. And then the night of the premiere, you hit 3,200 followers, which I will say. So these numbers, like what Peter, what you gained in like a week of being on this show on just Hannah's season, this is not your season. Hannah's season is what some of the biggest front runners on, you know, Michelle's season currently have. So it, it's really interesting no to way. see the changes.
0: That That I'm, is crazy. I, you. I, well, you kind of say
1: that too, but it kind of makes me think as well. When we get into race, that this Michelle season's it's mainly minorities, black, it's black, you know, and I've always kind of noticed when I got on the show, everyone except for Mike Johnson, that was, you know, that was black, never got like a huge following. And a lot of people in Bachelor Nation that are black don't get huge followings.
2: Yeah, it's definitely like as soon as I started posting about Instagram followers over on Reddit, I mean the comments were pretty. It was it was Colton's season, so that was Tasha's first season, and she was the first real trend that I saw. You know, other than okay, you get a one-on-one date, you gain a ton of followers, is a pretty concrete trend. That was true until Tasha got a one-on-one, and. It, basically, if you look at a heat map every episode of who gains the most followers, that's where it'll stick out. So, like when Peter got his first one on one, it's like a bright red color, right? And then when Taisha got her first one on one, she still blended in with everybody else. So I think, you know, there's there's no way to sugarcoat it. People of color just don't get the followers that their white counterparts get on the show
0: now, what do you think though? because I think, correct me if I'm wrong, Tasha is one of is one of the highest followed uh, accounts in Bachelor Nation, Correct or now?
2: Now she is. Yes.
0: What do you, what do you attribute that to? Cause so it's, I mean, she
2: did a really well good job after her season on pivoting her brand. So she became an influencer around lifestyle and clothing. And it wasn't just like, uh, let me just, you know, do ads on like whatever candy crush, whatever. But even though she was final four, if you look at a bar chart of the final four people, it was like, everybody was at a certain length. And then hers was just like a third of that.
1: Yeah, that's messed up. That's not right. Well, also, I think she probably started growing too after we had like the huge race war last summer as well. People started becoming woke, as you will, and started supporting more uh, people of color on the TV show as well.
2: Yeah. So like if I look at her follower counts, which also on the show, men versus women, men just don't gain the followers that women do. It's Women are just light years ahead of men.
0: And that that makes sense. I mean, I'm sure you know, but... I mean, for, for us, like 95% of our following is women. So. Yeah.
2: But so setting so. that precedent, Peter hit 100,000 followers by his third episode on Hannah's season. And it took Tasha until the day after Hometowns for her to hit that same number.
1: Wow. Then if That's you crazy. look at her
2: counterparts, you know, we have like Cassie at that point had almost had 700,000 followers when Tasha had just hit 122,000.
1: I, yeah, yeah. That's insane. That's, that's, that's insane.
2: I mean, it's, you know, it's it's def- it's something that isn't deniable, but I do think something that is interesting with tracking all of this is the screen time also is a big piece that leads to Instagram growth. And what we are seeing is that, you know, since last summer, you know, they started casting more people of color, but they weren't actually showing them. And there definitely has been a pivot now in 2021 where they are getting more screen time, finally. And they're not being yeah, used I mean, as mean, just, We just
0: said it. We just had history made this last Final Four. Yeah. With uh, people of color in every it was every episode everyone in the episode was. Yeah.
1: yeah.
2: I mean, it's so. now hundred percent of the screen time is going to people of color, which 100%. has never happened ever.
1: I know. I just missed a cutoff before Dusty, <laughs> <laughs> you were a few seasons
0: too early for that. But no, it's great oh. to see it, and hopefully that does translate to to those numbers growing.
1: I don't know if you're keeping track, but how long before Bachelor People
0: start to uh lose followers great question something i've actually been very curious about
1: yeah like you're, you're like you you start your engagement's crazy awesome you know you're gaining all these followers then a couple seasons go by then look she's smiling
0: she's got the data let's go let's uh yeah i know what she's about to say here
2: <laughs> you know it's it's almost, it's very interesting when i go on a podcast i think this has happened twice now where i can actually talk about the people that i'm talking to uh, <laughs> You know, I think it's interesting. It's it's inevitable, right? So people follow people who are actively on their TV because they want to see what happens next. And Hannah was one You're of are relating
0: more in that moment. Yeah,
2: and Hannah was one of the best examples of this data where she continued to grow after her season because everyone was so invested, right? That after the final rose, it ended with, you know, Jed was the villain and then Hannah was single and then she asked Tyler C out on a date and then everybody wanted to continue following them. And then they skyrocketed to 2 million followers. And then...
0: Wait, she was at a only a million, not only, but she was at a million at AFR and then went to another 2 million? She
2: was at... Just after AFR? On her finale, she was at 1.7 million. And then within okay. three days, she... Gained over four hundred thousand followers, and she ended up a month later. She was at almost one point four or two point four million followers. So, wow. I mean, people were invested because they wanted to see what happened next, right? And then it also ended as like you know this underdog story for for Hannah, who had just spent her whole season trying to find love. And then on top of that, then we got a new bachelor from her season, Peter. And then your follower numbers just kept going up. But I think it's also interesting because these people hit a lot of followers. And then they lose a lot of followers once their storyline's over. So be it a breakup, be it, and we're seeing it with Tasha now. Tasha's now starting to decrease in
0: followers. Has there been anyone that has not in Bachelor Nation not decreased in followers?
2: Uh, Hannah and Tyler, and I think you. Like Hannah, I've, I've decreased season, and then your season two had some people who didn't decrease for a long time after their finale. Yeah, you didn't lose followers after after Hannah's finale either.
0: No, but I mean, like, has there anyone anyone just up you know to present day no. that's just continued? To, everyone's lost. Everybody loses followers,
2: and there's there's no way to. I mean, if you take I, if I take three days off from Instagram and I don't post anything, I lose followers. Like, I go negative. It just it happens right. when you're when people just and this isn't a bad thing. It's not, you know, it doesn't reflect poorly on you as a brand or anything. It's just people's likes change.
0: No, totally. I think, I mean, I think one thing from reality TV is, you know, people... I think I said it earlier, I think and I noticed it too even before I was part of the show people are just so much more relatable than you know if, you, if you're if you watching like say like a, a, you know a movie with like some, some crazy famous movie star you actually relate more to probably someone that's on reality TV they just seem like a, just an average person like like you everyday person right I think that's why you get such that quick increase but also that attributes to you know a quick uh, climax there for the decrease
2: yeah and I- think it's a bad thing though. I mean, I think anybody from the show, they need to refine their brand after they get off the show, because if they just keep trying to hang on to their following being there because they were on The Bachelor, their brand is not going to survive long-term. If you look at you know, Ali Fidatowski or Jillian Harris, um, you know, you can look at all these people. You have to pivot your brand into something that people care about because you quickly become irrelevant. And especially now that they're chugging out so many seasons, like you become right. irrelevant even
1: faster. That's true. <laughs>
0: How would you describe Destin and uh, and our our brands individually?
2: In terms of like distinguishing your brand, it's how are you going to keep people interested in you? And I think that people are invested not only in your podcast. I'm quickly seeing it with the podcast ratings going up on the list of Bachelor-related podcasts. Let's go.
0: Hey, let's go. Love you, third roommates.
2: The first time I did it, you guys had like just come out, and I was like, "Oh no, <laughs> they're really." It was the same thing with clickbait. When clickbait came out, it was at the bottom of the list. But it's cool to see them. Only one
0: way to go, baby. Let's go up them. Go up.
2: <laughs> but I think it's you know you got to pivot your brand, and you know I think people are very much interested to see you know what's going on with you guys. People people want to see people falling in love from this show. So I think that's definitely one. And then. I don't know. It's so tough. I feel like I'm answering this from my own perspective. So I'm like, oh, it's always interesting. No, like- it's
0: great though. No, you're the pro. It's, it's, it's awesome to pick your brain. Tell us more about podcasts, these Bachelor podcasts and
1: their growth. Have you, have you been tracking them and what they've been talking about and what's been spiking their numbers or guests, anything like that?
2: You know, one time I did an analysis where I analyzed every single Bachelor-related podcast and the length of ads on the show. And I went back and listened to the most, I think the three or four most recent podcasts from every podcast. And it took me like four weeks of work. This was, God, like 2019. Wow. But basically what I look at now, because I realized quickly that that was, A, like having to listen to that many podcasts to collect the data, but then B, to listen to ads was horrible. We basically collect <laughs> things like ratings, the average rating, and the total number of episodes. Um and we just look at podcasts by former contestants. So, you know, like Off the Vine is consistently one of the top ones. And then so is Chatty, oh, I always say this wrong, Chatty Broad's, Chatty Broad's, and then Nick Vial's podcast.
0: Okay. Interesting, interesting. I have a question. How did you how did you get past info?
2: You mean like on Colton's season or like your season?
0: Well, yeah, like how how would you access, yeah, that info, like the statistics, if you you didn't have it back then? No, I had it. Did you just, you just had it? I've been
2: collecting this data since 2018. you're just on it. Or I guess it was December 2018 for Colton's season that was about to start. So I basically, I open every single profile of every contestant, regardless if they've been eliminated or not, every night at 8 p.m. Eastern, and I collect the follower counts myself.
0: So you, in real time, you were doing this?
2: Yes, with help from family.
0: (laughs) You're still doing it though, right?
2: I do. So it's it's actually against Instagram's terms of use for you to do web scraping, which is basically where you automate it with a computer to go in to check every night. So I had a web scraper for like one season. And then I found out it was against their terms of use. So I quickly stopped so I wouldn't get banned.
0: Wow. So how long does this take you? Starting at 8 p.m. to go through every profile?
2: So we start like at five minutes before and it takes about 15 minutes. And then I rotate with like two other people. So a family member and a friend if we can't do it.
1: And you go through all people in Bachelor Nation? No.
0: No. Okay. <laughs> Just that current season. Just that current
2: season. We okay. do that once a year, typically in December around Christmas time. I'll spend two days where I'll go through and do every person who has an Instagram account who has ever been on the show.
1: Holy smokes. It's a lot.
0: <laughs> what is uh, What is next? for you guys. I mean, it seems like you're kind of creating this empire. It's, you know, you're already having other accounts try to copy you and and be copycats. Like you guys have something here. It's, it's a, a, a high worth. People are very interested in it, including us. What's next for you guys? What's, what's in the future?
2: Yeah. So we are actually launching an Excel course on Tuesday. We launched this summer, a Google Sheets course, teaching people how to fully use spreadsheets but you get to use data from the show. So the Google Sheets course was using Hannah's season data. And it's actually funny talking to you now because I have been recording data for uh, the Excel course and we're using uh, your season. So it's two very exciting seasons to be looking at data analysis. So that launches on Tuesday.
0: So can I sign up for this course and humiliate myself (laughs) and embarrass myself and uh, live through it all?
2: (laughs) You are more than welcome
0: to. What time, what time is it? I'd be
1: interested because I want to start taking... I have my company guaranteed karma, and I would like to take data for volunteering. I think that would be really interesting.
2: Yeah, so it launches on Tuesday at 1 p.m. Eastern. And it's a course that takes you... There's even a crash course lesson at the beginning of if you have never seen a spreadsheet before in your life, it catches you up. But it takes you all the way up to you know, pivot tables and VLOOKUP, some of those more advanced topics, and then it covers everything around data visualization as well. So building a color palette to actually how to build those charts, and then how to use some different data visualization tools to really make them impressive for things like presentations or infographics, whatever is relevant for your work.
0: Susanna, I just, I got to call this out. Look what you just said. Coming from a young woman here who started having to Kind of BS her way through a job interview saying that she didn't know she knew what she was doing, she had no idea, to now teaching full-on courses, having an account, over a hundred thousand followers on Instagram. Wow, you are an inspiration. Good job. Thank like, you. Great I mean, job. Anybody Damn. can do
2: this. Like, I, I think the problem is out there is that a lot of people think that Excel is this scary tool. And it's just because it isn't really taught to us growing up, but it can be this fantastic tool that if you just have someone that can teach it to you in a relevant way. And then on top of that, a community that you can go to, to have support. I think that's essential. And with the course, you also get access to the Facebook community, where if you ever have problems with a formula or with a spreadsheet, you can pop in there for help and we will help you.
0: I feel like you could just be a good life coach in general. You could like, you could start a business where people could just like give you info and you could kind of track it and over the course of time, like give them great advice on what they need to change in their life and what they need to keep doing and what's working and what's not. Super fascinating.
1: Thanks. That's so fascinating, man. I, I kind of I feel like you should come up with a book as well. <laughs> like I would love to see a book of this.
2: You know, I think it's. Hey, she's yeah. part,
0: she's part of Badger Nation now, so she is she she has to be an author. That's just that's the <laughs> yeah. next step.
2: So. I mean, the timeline does show everybody does does create a book. Dustin, when's your
1: book coming out? <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, when is we'll going see. On? I think uh, I need. Hey, a- I'm working on my second one. You got You gotta. You gotta get going, bro. I'll Let's just. Uh, I'll wait. I'm still
1: filling the book up with you know current events. So wait,
2: we'll get there. Did you just share like news that we don't know that you're working on a second book?
0: Uh I don't. I mean, I don't know if it. I think I've told people. I did a little Instagram story. So my book, uh, The Adventures of Pilot Pete, I'm making it into a series. And so oh, yeah. the second book. I mean, I'll give a little teaser here because me and my publisher just kind of. We have books two and three lined up. And it's going to be actually pretty cool. It's going to have a lot more of The Bachelor in it in regards to location. And so every location that we want on the show, there will be an adventure of Pilot Pete there. That's cool. So, little uh, little teaser. Getting going on it soon. It'll be good.
1: Hey, real quick, speaking on books, that, I know you have book data. Should we Should we get into the book data? I know you have it. We're
2: working on collecting it. Do books it. sell? They do. Do books
1: sell for Batson <laughs> Nation people. They do?
2: They do. And, you know, there isn't a ton of public data. There are some websites where you can get a little bit of data on, like, how many books were sold. But we're trying to dig into that right now, especially since there's so many books coming out over the next six months from different contestants and different niches. But I, I, it is a fascinating world. Let me tell you, this week I have learned quite a bit about all of the intricacies around the New York best sellers list. That's the interesting thing about this data analysis is it doesn't matter what your industry is, there's interesting data there. It, I mean, just within this this industry, in terms of talking about The Bachelor, I've learned about Nielsen ratings. And you know, the, whenever they say that, 10 million people tuned in to watch whatever show, they're not actually measuring 10 million people. They're measuring like a subset of 50 million people and they're approximating how many people actually tuned in. And then things from book sales, you know, there's there's so much random data within every industry that can actually be really interesting.
0: Yeah, I I did. I knew a little bit about that. I remember with ratings, it was like every... The show... It, it figures out ratings like via every hundred houses or something. If the show is turned on or something with like a DVR, it's complex. I don't really understand it, but
2: yeah, it's basically not actually measuring. It's people who opt in to get paid like $5 a month to have all of their TV tracked. So that's yes. why they only give you the 18 to 49 demo because there aren't actually a ton of people within, if you were to break down like 18 to 29 and then 29 to 35, they they don't have a ton of people doing this. <laughs>
0: Wow. do you so do you see ratings because i know ratings obviously have gone down with the show do you see any chance to salvage this to turn it around and uh and get them going up again or is it is it just you know i know maybe it's just streaming too is kind That's of killing it and it's not possible to kind of turn the turn it around again
1: But what if ratings aren't bad? They're just a lot more people are streaming it. Is that being accounted for every time people watch on like Hulu? Yeah, so Hulu's now
2: accounted partially within Nielsen. It's it's kind of fuzzy and Nielsen's really bad about being transparent about how their data is collected, which in itself is a really problematic way to share data, is if you're not being transparent in how it's collected. But if you look at headlines on Hannah's premiere, Hannah had horrible ratings. Hannah also hit 2 million followers. So the show's been going down. I mean, there were, back when Sean Lowe was The Bachelor or, you know, further back, if you look at ratings back then to now, if you were to just look at that, you'd be like, how is the show not canceled? But it's more if you look every night that the show's on, it's consistently still being top three, top four shows. It used to always be the first, the overall best show every night that it was on cable TV. But I mean, it's, it's still making a ton of money and it's a cheap show to produce. You know, the majority of people who go on the show don't get paid. It's just the lead, you know, the people who work behind the scenes and then traveling to different locations, which during the pandemic, there's no traveling fee.
0: That's true. And it, it's great. I think I heard Mike Fleiss, the creator of the show, makes like, I want to, back when it was just nor- the Bachelor, Bachelorette and Bachelor in Paradise, I think he was averaging like 10 million a, a show. So he was pulling in like 30 million as a creator, his fee. So why would he not want to, you know, keep that going? And if he's making that, everyone else is making crazy, crazy sums. Well, I have a question now.
1: All right. Whose season had the highest ratings? And also... Right now, you said it's one of the top three shows. What are the top three shows in the United States at the moment?
2: So I look, I look at whenever it's on at night. So that changes with every season. Sometimes it's going up against the voice. But then, you know, fall is just not a good time for the show to be on because there's every sport is on right now, especially living here in Boston. It's, true. it's like we at one point we had like Red Sox. We had Celtics. We have Patriots. We have the Bruins, like all happening at the same time that it's going up against, I think there's a lot of fatigue right now too. But I mean, it's it's every week, there's there's different, or every season, there's different shows it's competing against. And it's also on Tuesdays right now. But, you know, if you look back to like Trista Trista's wedding that she had, I think it was something like 10, 15 million people tuned in, tuned in just for her wedding episode. No way. I mean, every season's been decreasing, but it's also every year... We're getting more and more reality TV shows and during the pandemic
0: more competition. The
2: pandemic, everybody started watching new shows. We got Love is Blind, we got Tiger King, like we there's so much competition that there are people that aren't going to come back.
0: It brings up a great question. I have noticed too the Netflix So first off, would you say that The Bachelor is still considered the top reality show uh re, re, dating reality dating TV show?
2: I don't I would venture to say that there are some other competitors coming that way. If you look at Love is Blind, those contestants shot up so fast. But more importantly, we saw people of color shooting up at the same rates as their white counterparts, which is something we haven't seen on this franchise. So I think her name was Lauren from the show.
1: She hit like Oh, yeah. Lauren and um well, her husband. Yeah. I, they're, they're my favorite couple.
2: There's definitely some other dating shows. I think Love is Blind is very much going up against it. I don't know, I think Love Island is doing pretty well, but it's not yet at bachelor level. But I think streaming is definitely giving them a run for their money.
0: Yeah. I think we saw F Boy Island. The, that was a g- great show. Great I show. love F boy Island. Yeah, it.
1: that's that's probably one of my favorite shows. But their followers, they're, I mean, the contestants aren't getting crazy followers at all.
0: Nope. And it might be because a I lot of people don't have HBO. It's HBO. Yeah, it's not readily available.
2: But they did pretty well show. for a high cost subscription show. And it, it had a great, oh, did it? I, I mean, people that were watching, they did not dip off.
0: Yeah, good re- retention right there. Oh, I was stuck in it. I
1: I had to finish it. I was like, I'm finished. Hey, he didn't even That's wait for me. I was
0: doing a trip. I'm like, bro, wait for me. Nope.
2: And then they get to the episode <laughs> where they got to look at each other's social medias. And I was like, finally, finally.
0: Oh, yeah.
2: Let's look at each other's social media accounts before we say I love you. Yes.
1: They should They should do that on the Bachelorette, for sure. Oh, yeah. Bachelorette, Bachelorette.
2: I thought 100. that would have been a great idea for when they switched up the hosts and it was women that came on Caitlin and Tasha to have that like yeah. sister friend to like sit down and be like okay let's look at these guys before you go meet their families like and then that would have brought so much extra drama to the hometown dates
0: solid idea wow I never actually thought of that that's they they do need to switch some some things up I think it's it's especially we just talked about how much more competition there is the show is great and obviously it has its following and it probably always have keep a majority of its following, but you got to bring some new things to the table and that could be one right there.
2: I think another thing too is like, we just need to see the people that we're going to see in the end. And that's something that's really changed in the last year and a half is like, look at Tisha's season. Who was Zach until Hometowns? Who was he? Like, yeah. And he hardly had any followers, even with there were spoilers out there that were saying that he was going to be the winner and he didn't have a follower count. And it was just because we weren't seeing him. There was there was no love story that made us want to root for him.
1: Or what about this Clayton guy?
2: Who the is new he? New Bachelor. Who is he? Who who is he? Like they knew he was going to be the Bachelor when they started editing this. They had time to edit him into the season.
1: <laughs> that scares me. That that was probably their best that they can do.
0: It wasn't. Well, I mean, well, we don't know that. But
1: if you're, you have to, you have to get people something for the new lead.
0: I don't know. I'm curious to see if we all get super shocked by you know how good Clayton season is, and who knows, maybe they know they know what they're doing.
2: Hey, the preview was great for it. I'm I'm actually excited after seeing that preview this week. It actually looks like it's going to be a good season, and I'm I'm excited for it because I feel like as far as when you have to collect screen time, the screen time collection takes anywhere from four to six hours of watching the show and start, stop, rewind, make sure you actually caught that at the right second so you're not off by a second. When you have to watch these people and you're seeing all these storylines being built around people that you don't eventually see like Michelle fall in love with or Matt fall in love with or Katie fall in love with, it's it gets pretty boring to analyze the show. So uh, personally, I'm excited to have, hopefully have some really exciting people to analyze.
1: Before the next season of Clayton's, can we have you on and give your data predictions of everyone once we get we can go over their following once we have their names. No, but yeah,
0: let's get your prediction from things you've just picked up over the years and see if you can, you know, if you can predict accurately what's going to happen.
1: And then we'll follow back up at the end of the season and let's see let's see how good it is.
2: Yeah, we can we can definitely take a
1: look. This sounds exciting.
0: That sounds great. And it's I got just, one more thing. It's be dead I, on. I'm sorry, we could talk to you for for hours. You I thank you for coming on. You're a great guest. Reality Steve why, how, how does he get his information?
2: You know, it sounds like he just, I mean, from what he says, it sounds like he just gets it from people that are willing to share. And I can, I can attest to somebody who now has, you know, a hundred thousand followers, which is a drop in the bucket compared to a lot of accounts. The number of people who are willing to DM you anything that they see, like I, to the point where like, I get DMs are like, I just saw Peter and Dustin in New York city. And I'm like, I don't, I don't report on this. Like, why are you sending me this? (laughs) I mean, it's sweet. Like, and it is helpful sometimes when people are like, Hey, you know, I saw Katie and John and like, they were around in San Diego and they really looked like they were more than friends. And then I'm like, "Mm, maybe I should get a timeline ready. So it is useful sometimes, but like, I don't, I don't post spoilers, but it seems like, you know, at least what he, what reality Steve says that, you know, people just tell him stuff. I think it makes sense
0: because I know there's been like rumors, like oh, he's got someone in the show and the franchise that's kind of feeding him information. I don't know if it's that, but one thing I heard, and I think actually I may have contributed to some confusion when I was on Hannah's season because I had to keep using my phone to uh, get work off, and so I had to, the producers gave me access to it. But one thing that he'll have people do is he'll text the, the contestant's number if he's trying to figure out if they're still there at the end. He'll text the number, and we all have to shut off our phones and. If you have an iPhone, for the most part, it goes green when it delivers to a phone that's shut off. And so I think he had someone to text me something and it went blue. And I think he like released information that wasn't accurate because he thought I was gone or something. So I heard that's a tactic. I'm like, wow, that's sneaky. That's interesting.
2: Let me tell you, I'm glad I'm not in the spoiler industry. That is, it is hardcore detective work that is
0: hardcore, not my thing. No, stick stick to what you're doing. You do an absolute amazing job, Susanna. Thank you for all the hard work you put in. Thank you seriously so much for coming on. This has been a treat to just pick your brain and chat. And I really enjoyed this.
2: Thanks for having me. It's, it's, uh, it's always fun to have people who have really interesting insights from the other end ask questions. So thanks for having me.
1: Oh yeah, this is great. We got to get you back for a bachelor breakdown for sure. Oh, for uh, sure. That'd be great. Super excited. Thank you so much. This is awesome. Thanks for having me.
0: Bachelors in the City is hosted by me, Peter Weber.
1: And me, Dustin Kendrick. This podcast is produced by Red Rock Music.
0: Our producer is Emma Martins, and our executive producer is Red Yoakum. Our audio engineer is Enrique Inojosa. Subscribe and like or review wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Follow the show on Instagram at Bachelors in the City Podcast.
0: Got questions for us about the show, life, or really whatever? DM at bachelors in the city podcast on Instagram for a chance to be a featured third roommate. We'll catch you next time.